Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. All right, well, today we're going to be talking about trials. I don't know about you guys, but I go through trials all the time. How many of you would, would be honest and just raise your hand and say you're going through at least a small trial, big trial, any trial of any kind? Come on, raise your hand. Be honest. Come on. How many of you feel like your trial is sitting next to you, okay? No, 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 no. Don't, don't answer that one. That would make your trial much worse. Trust me. Um, but we go through trials, and uh, I want to look at the book of James. The book of James has so much to say about our trials. And so let's look right now. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Look what it says here. It says, consider it pure joy. Like, pure joy? Like, really? Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever. I think you need to underline that word, whenever. In your Bible, because it's not if trials are coming, but it's when they're coming, because they are coming. So whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, it produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I know this. I've heard Pastor Rick say it many times, that you're either in a trial, you're coming out of a trial, or you're about to go into a trial. Trials, they come our way, but they're different sizes, right? Sometimes we go through trials that are small. Sometimes we go through trials that are really large. When I think about small trials, I think about, you know, when you have a, a child and you, or a teenager and you take away their cell phone. They think it's the end of the world, but really that's just a small trial, right? Or what about your favorite, for all you ladies in here, what about your favorite nail salon closes? I mean, it's just a small trial. I mean, your cuticles are going to look nasty for a while, but that's really just a small trial, all right? And then what about, what about in the middle of a pandemic, there's no toilet paper? I mean, that one will chafe you right there, right? And you'll get that one in a minute. But anyway, that's really just a small trial. It's not a big trial. But I don't know about you. I have been through big trials. I've been through many of them in my life. I, I think I'll be just transparent right off the bat. I'll think, I'll think, I'll think about the worst one that I've ever been through in my life was Cheryl and I have been married almost 28 years. But I remember seven years into our marriage that we got separated. And um, we were separated for about two or three months. And divorce was on the table, and I didn't think we would make it. And I'll never forget, for the rest of my life, I, this, this image is, is tattooed in my brain. I'll never forget watching Sherilyn and Caitlin in the car backing out of my driveway. I remember standing in that doorway, and the thought was running through my mind. Are they ever coming back? I felt like the rest of my life was driving away, and I had no idea if it would ever come back to me. It was the most painful, the worst two or three months of my life. And I don't know about you. You, you may be in a trial right now. You're like, is life ever going to be the same again? I remember standing in that doorway going, God, is life ever going to be the same again? Well, I'm so thankful for the grace of God. God's grace is so amazing that he put it all back together. And I had a son after that. We got a great marriage. She puts up with me and all my issues. I got a lot of issues and she puts up with them. I'm so thankful for a good God. And I just want to tell you this, that if you haven't ever experienced a huge trial, I'm just here to encourage you today to tell you one's coming. And unfortunately, they're coming. The Word says He reigns on the just and the unjust. But He also says He won't put anything on you more than you can bear. He will always give you a way out. He's going to give you, if you're in a trial right now, He's going to give you a way out. I promise a way out is coming. 
if you will just persevere. And so today we're going to dig into the book of James, because here's what I know is James knew a lot about trials, all right? So the first reason we know he knows a little bit about trials is he was the half-brother of Jesus. Now that in its own self is a trial, okay? Can you imagine if you had to call your brother or sister Lord and Savior? Now that would be a problem. There is no way I could have ever convinced my sister to call me her Lord and Savior. There is zero percent chance. Like she would have slipped my throat when I was asleep. Like, there's no way. I mean, I would have had to risen from the dead before she called me Lord and Savior. This is proof of this, that James literally would not call Jesus Lord and Savior until he rose from the dead. It took that to convince James that he was the Savior of the world. But here's what I know is James knew a lot about trials because he he was a Jew in this day and age. The Jews were being heavily oppressed by the Roman government at this time. They were scattered all over. He was the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. He was writing this letter to all of the oppressed Jews of the time who he knew were going through significant trials. And that's what we're going to look at from his view today, how it is that we, how do we live through trials? How do we grow through trials? Because I don't think God just wants you just to try to make it through. Like, He wants to teach you something. He wants us to grow. And I'm going to give you today, I'm going to give you four things that you must know to get through your trials. The first one is really important is you got to recognize what is really going on. All right, so listen, God doesn't cause our trials, but He allows us to go through them. And so why does He allow us to go through them? Well, I'm going to give you three different reasons that we can recognize what is really going on. The first one is this, is God wants us to mature. Like, He really wants us to grow up. He wants me to grow up. James 1.4 says this. It says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What that says to me is no pain, no gain. But I don't know about y'all, but I like no pain, no pain. That's kind of my, that's what I really like. But let me tell you what, if I'm ever going to grow, I have to experience some pain. And God allows us to experience some pain. And let's just be honest, if you have kids, you allow your kids to experience some pain, right? We all do it. I remember I'd go in to wake up my kids for school. I'd go in the room and they'd go, Dad, please, let me sleep in. I'd be like, no, get your butt out of bed right now. You're going to get dressed, you're going to brush your teeth, and you're going to make your bed. Now, why did I do that? Well, because I had a hope, I had a dream that they would graduate, that they would go get a job and get off my payroll. Can I get a good amen in the house? That is the goal right there is. I wanted them to grow up, to mature. And when they were in school, what happened when they were in school? They took tests, right? That's what happens in school, right, Dwayne? They take tests in school. And as they take these tests, eventually if they make a high enough grade... On the, on the exam, they get to move on to the next grade. Well, the same thing happens to us in life. I don't know about you. Have you ever feel like you're taking the same test over and over? Well, the reason why is we hadn't made a high enough grade yet. And once we make a high enough grade, we get to move on and go to the next grade. We get to go to the next test that comes in life. But here's what I know. Here's what happens to me so many times is I get so focused on the trial. It gets so big in my eyes. It hijacks the learning experience that God has for us. But we have a good God. And here's what I want you to write this down. We have a good God that here's what I know about him. He is much more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. 
He doesn't mind making you a little bit uncomfortable because he is trying to grow your character. And, and so I, I heard somebody one time, was, it was a student talking to a professor and goes, how do I pass this test? How do I pass the exam, the test of life? And the professor said, well, two words, good decisions. And he said, well, how do I learn to make good decisions? And the teacher said, well, through experience. And he said, well, how do I get experience? He said, two words, bad decisions. All right? I mean, that's just the process of life, right? We make bad decisions. We, we eventually get some experience. And eventually we make our way to getting, making good decisions. But Romans 5, 3, and 4, look at this verse. It says, not only so. But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering, it produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And there are times we feel like we are experiencing suffering, but eventually it's going to produce character and hope, and that is where God is headed with us. And so the second thing that we got to recognize here is that God wants us to ask for help we got to realize this is what's going on right now in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our difficult situation. God just wants us to ask for help. In James 1.5, he said this. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, anybody ever feel like you lack wisdom? I, I know I do many times in life. He said, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So if you don't know what to do, you need to ask God. Not Dr. Phil, not Oprah, but we need to ask God. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. We get into a trial. I do this a lot. I have done this many times, and I'm finally learning not to do it so much. Get in the midst of a trial, and my prayers are like this. God, please take this trial away from me. And I sound so miserable, and I'm begging God to take the trial away. Well, that does nothing to speed up the trial. It's when I get on my knees and I go, God, what, are you, what do you want me to learn right now? Like, Lord, what is you trying to teach me when I take that kind of attitude? That's when the trial speeds up. That's when I move past it is when I'm asking, God, what is it you want me to learn? And when I, when I spend that, that time in my prayer closet asking God and praying those kinds of prayers, like, what do you want me to learn? It's, it's at those times, like, I come out of my prayer closet and I'm wanting to whoop a bear with a switch. You know what I'm talking about? It's when I spend time like that. That's what God is looking for. And the, and the third thing that God wants is he wants us to trust Him. God is just looking for you to trust Him. In James 1, verse 6 through 8, He says this, But when you ask, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. He's blown and he's tossed by the wind, and that person, this is pretty straightforward here, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, because such a person is double-minded and he is unstable in all they do. He is wanting us to trust Him. He's wanting us to keep a good attitude in the midst of a difficult situation. And I mean, just like He wants us to keep that, that kind of can-do attitude. Pastor Rick actually tells us to be the one with the best attitude in the room, no matter what's going on. And sometimes it's hard, right? When it feels like the trial is not going anywhere. Like, like the year 2020, that was the longest three years of my life. Like, I didn't know if it was ever going to end, right? And it reminded me of a verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It, I, I think you could take this. This is one of these verses you could put on the, on the refrigerator. 2 Peter 3, 9. It's so good. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. I want you to know that. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. 
as some people consider slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, God is so patient with me. And he's waiting for me to learn what it is that he's trying to teach me. And here's what I know. When it comes to trials, I want you all to track with me on this. This is an important thought. This thought is going to help us for the rest of the way, for the rest of the message. You need to get this this thought and um, this mindset. When most people think of trials, here's what I believe. When most people think of trials, they think of the kind of trials to where bad things happen to good people. Y'all, y'all heard that, right? Like, why, why do bad things happen to good people? But here's the mindset I want you to have for the rest of the message. I believe seemingly good people do bad things. And that's where I believe the majority of our trials come from. Because seemingly good people like me and like you, we can make bad, bad decisions. We can make bad choices. I do it all the time. And that's where I end up in most of my trials is because I have made a bad decision. Or somebody really, really close to me has made a poor decision. And so that's why now let's go to point number two is setting that up is you have to decide in your mind that God didn't do this to me. God didn't do this to me. He's not the one that forced this trial. He's not the one that is tempting me. No, it is Satan. James 1.13 says this. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. It is Satan. All right, so here's what I want to ask you. I'm not a good fisherman. We got any good fishermen in here? Anybody like to fish in here? I know we got five loaves and two fishes. I don't know where these guys are at, but I know they can catch some fish. Well, I'm not very good. You know why? I don't have any patience. The only patience I know are in hospitals. That's the only patience I got. But my son, he's really good, and, and he, he knows how to fish. I'm not as good as some of you guys, but, but here's what I know about fishing. And a little bit I do know about fishing is you got to have a bait that smells really, really good to the fish, right? It's got to smell really good. And it's got to look really good, right? It's got to smell good. It's got to look good. You, you throw it out on the water, and you got to give a little jiggle here. you got a little shake there. And, and you got to catch that fish's attention, right? Because you want him to bite. Well, you know what? Satan's the exact same way. He throws things out there that smell good to us. They look good. He puts a little jiggle on it. He's trying to get you to bite and unfortunately, we do too many times. Too many times, man, he tempts us, and we, boom, we hit it, and then all of a sudden, we are stuck. We are hooked. It's happened to me, and I'm sure it's happened to you. And here, here's what I hear people say. Well the, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He tempted you, but you did it. And guess what? And I did it because I do it all the time. And here's what we also got to keep in mind, that God's not this mean, evil man sitting up there going, just waiting to take out his frustrations on you. Because I hear so many times, I hear people, they say, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I just can't win for losing. God just has it out for me. No, God doesn't have it out for you. No, Satan has it out for you. Satan hates you. Listen, he is the one that was trying to tempt Jesus when he was coming out of the wilderness. He was trying to tempt Jesus, and he is trying to tempt you to sin. 
Sin is rebellion from God, which is exactly what he did. Is He rebelled from God, and he's constantly trying to get us to rebel from God. Why would, why would God, why would Jesus ever want to tempt you and cause you to be separated from him? Listen, God sent his best, his son Jesus, to die on the cross from you. Why would he go through all of that? And then try to separate us from him. That, that makes no sense whatsoever. It is Satan that's trying to separate us by God. He's trying to cause us to be independent. And that's what happens is many times I choose. Harry Bates chooses to be independent from God. And I end up being separated from him by my choices, my, my, by my decisions. And that's why this is really point. A sub point of this is I have to realize many times that Harry Bates that I caused my trial. Many times I have to come to the realization that I caused my trial. There's many times we, we can actually pray in our trials. Anybody ever prayed in a trial? I think about my daughter here recently. She actually prayed in a trial. She just, she's in the middle of grad school, and she had me and all of the Southeastern Conference praying that she would get into grad school. There was 950 applicants, only 48 spots. She had everybody pray, and we prayed, and she got in. And now she's like, Dad, this is the worst thing I've ever been through in my life. And I'm like, well, you asked for it. Like, you had us all praying. But we can do that. We can pray in our trials. But for me, most of the time, the trials I fall into is because of my sin. James 1, 14, 15 says, But each one is tempted, and when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. You know, sometimes sin comes through the front door of my mind. And the problem is, is when I don't immediately take it to the back door. It's not a sin because it comes through the front door. It's a sin when I let it take up residence inside my mind. And then it begins to take up residence. And once it begins to take up residence, I then begin to act on the sin. And then that leads to death. And in Proverbs 14, 12, I added this verse here this, this morning. I, I was reading this. This is such a great verse. I have done this so many times, and maybe you haven't, but this verse in Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it ends in death. I can't tell you how many times I have convinced myself, well, it, it'll be okay. It'll be okay, just a little taste. Just a little taste. It, it'll be all right. And then eventually, I'm all in, and it caused a lot of pain. It caused a lot of suffering. And it's because I crossed boundaries that I knew I didn't need to cross. That's why it's so important that we have accountability people, that we, we set boundaries in our life, and we just tell that person, please, don't. you see me getting close to that line, like you pull me back. Don't let me cross that line, because sometimes when you cross that line, man, it will sting. It will hurt you. I've got a little video here that will, that will demonstrate this really, really well. You gotta watch this dog. He caught he crossed a boundary he should not have crossed. That donkey that donkey's Satan right there. All right, you can take that down. All right, that's us right there. That was me. I'm the dog. I get up there. I get a little across that boundary, and then Satan is laughing. It's exactly what happens when we cross 
the boundaries that we shouldn't cross. But, but here's ultimately, I have to come to that realization, back to the point is, that I caused my trial. And this is another really big one. Honestly, this is one I work on a lot with my son, my kids, my daughter is, to choose not to be a victim. I'm going to give you an example here. I remember we used to go watch my son play basketball. I know Fitz knows a lot about this, watching his boy play basketball. And I would be sitting there next to Cheryl and, and this other couple. And I remember every time we would watch Justin play, coach, you know, he'd be out there playing and everything, and the coach would take him out of the game. And they'd all go, why is coach taking him out of the game? Coach doesn't like him. I'm like, no, coach likes him. He also likes all the other boys on the team. Like he likes them all. <laughs> and he needed a break. He was sucking air. He needed to come out of the game. And then a minute later, he's back in the game, and they're like, hey, they're not passing him the ball. They're not, they don't like him. They're not giving him the ball. I'm like, well, there's, there's only one ball, and there's five guys. Like, they have to share it. Like, he's not the only one out there. His teammates like him. I've, I got to teach, actually got to teach a little bit of the word to these, to these kids. The coach let me come do it. Like, I, they all love each other. There's just one ball, though. And then a minute later, a kid strips the ball from him. They're like, he got fouled. He got fouled. It's like, no, he didn't get fouled. He wasn't protecting the ball. They took it from him. See, here's the thing. I'm not going to let my son begin to think that the coach is against him, that his teammates are against him, that the officials against him. I'm like, listen, only Satan's against you. Your coach is for you. Your teammates are for you. And that ref, he has, he has no problem with you. Like, I, I, I wanted to teach him not to be a victim. And I had to teach myself that all the time. Is Harry Bates. There's only one person against you, and his name is Satan. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy you. But Jesus came so you'd have life and life to the fullest, and, and we are going to be more than conquerors because Jesus goes before me. And that's when I begin to do something really important. It's our third point today is that it's when I get that mindset that I am able to control my response to it. I'm able to control my response to the trial. It's at that point where I say, I'm going to own my trial, and my trial will not own me. That my God is bigger than this trial, and it is not going to own me. James 1, 19 and 20. Look at this verse. We're getting close to the end here. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. I like that. He says, take note of this. This is a verse we all need to take note of. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This is a verse for me. I'm going to tell you what. All right, because I'm the type of guy, I am very, very driven. I call it, I like to strive for excellence. Sherilyn calls it micromanaging. We have a little bit of disagreement. And, um, but I like, to, I like things to be done right, and I don't like th- mistakes to be made. And, and uh, I'll never forget this story. I'm going to use this story as a good example of when I really blew it as it relates to this, or I got really close to blowing it on this. So I had a friend call me. He had a product. I got this one friend that he always thinks he's going to come up with the next invention that's going to change the world, and then more importantly, make him a lot of money. Um, And so he came up with this little invention, and it was something in the kitchen. I can't remember what it was. He just comes up with so many things I forget. And he said, hey, I love your kitchen countertops and the way your kitchen's set up. Can I come over there and bring a camera crew and film this commercial of my new product and I said that's fine Mark come on and he said well I'm gonna come Tuesday at 10 o'clock and I'm like well listen Tuesday at 10 that's my worst day of the week like that's when we have tons of meetings on Tuesday that's my absolute worst day but I said 
And he said, well, can Sherilyn meet me? Like, I've already got the crew set up. I said, yeah, Sherilyn will meet you. So I, I said, hey, hey, babe, can you meet Mark? Can you be at the house? 10 o'clock, he's going to come. She said, yep, I got it. That night, we were going to bed, and I said, hey, babe, don't forget. She said, listen, I'm not going to forget. You've already told me. I know Mark's coming at 10 o'clock. All right. I got up the next morning. I'm about to leave for work. I said, hey, babe, don't forget, 10 o'clock. She said, would you please go to work? Like, get out of here. All right. I'm always micromanaging. Well, I get there. I'm in this meeting. It's a really important meeting, and all of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up. Like, I look down at my phone, and there's a phone call from Mark. I'm like, what in the world? And all of a sudden, I see a text come in. I can only see the first couple words, and I couldn't say, tell what it was. And then he called again, and I was like, Sherilyn Bates, I mean, I told you to meet him there at 10 o'clock. So I, I say, hey, guys, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, i got to step out for just a second. I, I'm steaming. I'm going to be really honest. I was steaming. And I start dialing the phone. I'm just punching in the numbers. And, and do you all ever have conversations before you have the conversation? Like, I am talking this out. I'm already, I'm, I've already got my first few phrases and sentences ready to go. And I'm like, babe, I thought we agreed you were going to be there at 10 o'clock. And the phone's ringing. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said, I'd be careful now. I'd be real careful what you say right now. And about the time she answers the phone, I go, hey, babe. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He is my best friend. He saved my life here. Y'all would have been reading about me on that Dateline murder mystery had I gone through with what I was thinking about. And I say, hey, babe, um, Mark made it there yet? Nope, I'm just sitting here waiting on him. He hadn't made it here yet. I was like, all right, well, I was just had a little time in between meetings here. I was just thinking about you, thought I'd give you a call. I love you. Talk to you later. And I looked down at my text, and Mark said, hey, I'm running late. Just please let Sherilyn know I'll be there in a little bit. All right, so the Holy Spirit saved my life. But there are times when I haven't done it that well. It's so important, though. we got to realize that God gave us two ears and one mouth. Two ears and one mouth. We need to be quick to listen. Slow to speak. And then this last one I'm going to tell you, slow to become angry. I've noticed in my life there is nothing that pushes away people that I love more than when I get angry, than when I get frustrated. There's nothing that can push out the presence of God more than when I get prideful and I get angry. It is definitely not the righteousness of God. And I want to tell you, some of you, you struggle with temptation in different areas of your life. It could be with anger. It could be in many other areas of your life. But I want you to write this down. You need to know that that temptation is not a test of your self-control. But temptation is a test of your love for God. It's not a test of your self-control. No, it's a test of how much do you love God. And that's why this final point, I'm just going to close out with this is the best way to to overcome our trials and to grow through our trials is to fall in love with Jesus. It's just to fall in love with Jesus. Every single day when we wake up, just choose, I'm going to fall in love with Jesus again today. I want you all to look at this verse in James 1.18. Look at this verse on the screen. It says, He chose. I want you all to say, He chose. Come on, let's say it one more time. Say, He chose. He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true Word. And we, out of all of creation, like we became His prized possession. We were like the cat's meow, the, the apple of His eye. Like we were it to Him. 
when Jesus came from heaven to earth, he said, you did not choose me. He says, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Listen, he has chosen you. He has paid for you. The price has already been paid at the cross for you to go and to bear much fruit. Even in the midst of your most difficult situation, he still wants to use you. He wants to use this trial you're in to grow you, to mature you, so that you can go and reach his lost children, so that you can be an example to those people all around you, that they can see you. Wait a minute. Like he or she, they're in the midst of the worst trial of their life. How are they still smiling? How are they still full of joy? It's because Jesus is inside of us, because the Holy Spirit has filled us. That's how we're going to do it. And so all over this room, I want to ask you just to go ahead and bow your heads and just close your eyes right now. I don't, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what trial you're in the midst of right now. But I do know this. I know that God sees you. And he's just praying that you, you will make this decision like I just talked about. That every single day, every day, that you will just choose to fall in love with him. And especially today. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.